Good to see you this morning. Uh, my name's Al, as uh, I've been referred to uh, a few different times already this morning. It's great to see you here this morning. Um, let me pray before I uh, speak to us and uh, we look at the Bible together. Lord God, we thank you for the way in which we've sensed your presence here with us this morning. Thank you for the ways in which you've been speaking to us already. We pray, Lord, you might speak to us now as we look at the Bible together and we pray, Lord, may we know the power of your Spirit helping us to put into practice what you want to say to us. Amen. Well, a few years ago, I heard a church leader speaking at a conference, um, talking about how people had tried to kill him, not just once, a couple of times, because he was a Christian, because he was trying to grow churches. His name is Ben Kwashi, he's a bishop in Nigeria, and he talked about the day when a gang of men came up to the compound where he lived, they had guns and knives, they, uh, they tied up the security guards. Sounds like something from a film, but it's, it really happened. They battered down the doors of the house. They got, got hold of him. They marched him outside and they said they were going to kill him. But amazingly, without any kind of explanation, suddenly they seemed to change their minds. They just went in and took all the valuables from the house. But he wasn't bothered about that. He said this is a miracle and he thanked God for sparing his life Again, this is what he said about it. He said, people will laugh at us, call us names, abuse us, but that is nothing new. The gospel is worth living for. It is also worth dying for. Persecution has never and will never kill the church. Conditions may be difficult or dangerous for a time, but the seed is in the ground and at the right time it will burst out. You might think, how is it possible to be so bold and fearless when these kind of things are happening to you? It can only be God giving him strength. But if you're anything like me and you listen to a story like that, you think, if he can do that, why am I so fearful of much smaller things as a Christian, why am I so fearful in some cases of even letting people know that I am a Christian? You know, thinking, have I got the right moment? When's the right time to say that I went to church at the weekend? Or uh, when is the right time just to let people know that actually being a Christian, knowing Jesus, is the most important thing in my whole life? And yet I, I'm, I'm so fearful of even telling some of my family members about that. I think we want to get the right time, don't we? But no one's going no to kill me. No one's going to rob my house. No one's going to beat up my family if I talk about Jesus at the moment in England. But, so why can't I be bolder like this guy in Nigeria? Well, we're going to look at a great story from the book of Acts this morning, a true story from the book of Acts about some Christians who are having an incredibly tough time And we're going to look at how they prayed and that that God answered their prayer and gave them what they needed. You might be here this morning as someone who you would say, actually, I'm not sure I'm a Christian just yet. I'm thinking about it, but it's so good to have you here. 
we, this, is, this is not a closed shop at all. We, we want to welcome everyone here on a Sunday morning. If you're not sure you're a Christian yet, you're still weighing things up, checking them out. Well, maybe this morning is good for you. Because Jesus said, actually, when you're thinking about following Jesus, you need to weigh up the cost. And the last thing we want to do here as a church is pretend that being a Christian is always easy. It's difficult at times. Sometimes it's really difficult. You get problems that you never had before you were a Christian. Things that come just because you're a Christian. And especially in connection with trying to uh, introduce other people to Jesus. But as we'll see as we look at the Bible this morning, God is more than equal to any difficulty we might face. There's no reason to not follow Jesus. And in fact, uh, I think this chap in Nigeria was saying that the church is just growing and growing. Why is that? It's because people look at the church and they think, these people are serious. This is something that's real. The fact that they're so fearless, it's not because people don't look at them and think, oh, they're having problems. It must be awful being a Christian. They think, this must be real. There's something about this. I want to find out more. Well, we're going to look at um, what happened with some guys, Peter and John. Um, Actually, hang on a minute, I'm not just quite up to that bit. But we're continuing our series on prayer, stronger in prayer. And this morning we're thinking about their prayer. It was a prayer for boldness. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 4. That's right, the reference is just up there. That's the particular bit we're going to look at, Acts chapter 4, verses 18 to 31. But I just want to fill you in with a little bit of the story leading up to this time. A couple of chapters, uh, chapter before, Acts chapter 3, what's happened is there's Peter and John, they're disciples of Jesus. Jesus has now gone back to heaven, but Peter and John are there, and with the power of Jesus, they heal a man. He's 40 years old, he's not been able to walk since he was born, and it's an amazing thing. And a big crowd gather around. And Peter, he's even more excited about seeing people come to know Jesus than even he is about seeing people healed. And so he takes the opportunity to speak to them about Jesus. This crowd that's gathered because of the miracle, then hear about the person who did the miracle through the disciples. He talks to them about how Jesus died and rose again. That this man has been healed through Jesus who's still alive. And he talks to the crowd about how they actually need to turn to God for forgiveness And that God has got a wonderful life in relationship with him waiting for them. They can have times of refreshing in their lives as they come to God. Well, they had a response time and loads of people. It seems thousands of people became Christians that day. But even before they were having the response time, the religious authorities were onto them. And they were there. And they were hauling Peter and John off to prison. And they stuck them in the cells for the night and they questioned them the next day. And they said, you know, what's going on here? How are you able to do this? What power are you working with here? And Peter takes the opportunity to preach to them as well. And in the end, the religious leaders have a bit of a dilemma because they say, well, this was an amazing miracle. And we can't deny that it really happens. But this preaching, it it can't go on. They seem to be worried about the kind of political situation. You know, if you've got people going around saying, Jesus is my king, 
What about Caesar? What about Herod? This is going to cause problems between the, Jew, the Jews and the Romans. And they said, look, we can't, we can't have this going on any longer. And so chapter 4, verse 18. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain and the kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one? Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your world with great boldness. Stretch out your hands to heal as your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So these guys have just spent a night in the cells. Then they're told not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus anymore, they say, no, we can't. We've got to speak about him. Jesus had commissioned them to speak. I don't think it was just like, well, I think we ought to. Oh no, Jesus, we'll be in trouble with Jesus if we don't. It was like, no, we've got to. It's burning inside us. We need to tell people that Jesus is alive and that they can know God through him. And they made some threats against them and then they released. Oh, you might read this. And I uh, don't know how familiar you are with, with all these bits in Acts, but you might read this, you think, these guys, they were tough. This was nothing to them. It's like water off a duck's back. You know, it was like those times when you're at school and you got sent to the, I don't know what your head, headmaster, headmistress was like, you got sent to the head teacher's office because you'd done something naughty and you got a bit of a telling off. And, uh, and then as you walk away from the head teacher's office, it's with your friend, you know, that was nothing. That was a bit of a laugh getting into trouble. A bit like that time when uh, I was flicking bits of sticky gold paper into a girl's hair sitting just in front of me at school. And, um, and when they cut them out, <laughs> I got into a bit of trouble. But, you know, it just goes down to a bit of a funny story in my mind. Well, no, Peter and John, it was nothing like this. We can see it from their prayer. 
And we know they knew these people meant business. It might, might have seemed like, oh, we don't really know what to do with these guys. We don't know how to punish them. Well, they knew how to punish Jesus. It's the same authorities that put Jesus to death. And you can read on into chapter 5 and you can see that, yeah, again, they go on speaking about Jesus and then they want to put them to death. Things were serious. So let's have a look at their prayer. Their priority was, let's get, let's get our Christian friends together. Let's go and pray. Let's bring this before God. That was their priority. So I'll look at um, three main things this morning about their prayer and what we can learn about how we can pray. Um, first thing is pray to the king in control. Pray to the king in control. And we, we might be here this morning thinking, well, you know, being rejected, being opposed, being persecuted, we may have never used those kind of words about anything that's ever, ever happened to us. But we might be like me thinking, hmm, yeah, I know I've never done that, but I fear that. You think, yeah, I'm worried about being rejected. Well, let's listen to what their priorities were when they're in that situation. Well, the first thing was they actually prayed. They actually prayed. Now, this came up a bit earlier in our Stronger in Prayer series. They were in trouble. They were under pressure. They prayed. What's the first thing you think of doing when you hit problems? Is it, I need to talk to God about it? Don't have to get down on your knees. Don't have to close your eyes, especially if you're driving the car. You, you can just pray anytime, just a quick prayer. Even when you're talking to someone, you can pray in your mind about whatever it is. I'm sorry to say, I don't always pray as the first thing that I do. I trust God's helping me get better at this. For me, it's probably more like, number one, hit a problem, number one, panic. Number two, rack my brains for a solution. Have I done this before? Is there something in my experience that's going to help me with this? Number three, worry about it for a bit. Maybe overnight. It's quite good. Wake up feeling awful in the morning. Um, then phone a friend. That normally works quite well. Phone a friend. Just who can I who can I think of who's going to just tell me the answer to this? Then worry that the friend thinks that you're a bit daft for phoning them because it wasn't really that serious to them. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian actually. I ought to pray. I forgot. Why did I forget that again? God is my heavenly Father. He cares for me. He loves me. He's all powerful. I should have just stopped and prayed right at the beginning. Do you go straight to prayer when there's a problem? Or is it something that you try after you tried everything else and it's not worked? Well, Peter and John, they're in hot water for spreading the gospel. And there's all sorts of things that they could have done first. They could have planned their escape from Jerusalem. They could have planned revenge. You know, put a bomb under the uh, Jewish authorities' offices or whatever they had. Um, they could have just analysed, well, what's gone wrong? This, this is not meant to happen. We must have done something wrong. What was it? How can we, how can we uh, work out how we can um, do it better next time? We could get angry and just get really annoyed and be slagging off the oppressors in their, back when they're back at home. They could be panicking and worrying. They could be thinking, right, what we need to do now is we need to think through a strategy about how we keep a low profile. We don't want to get noticed. We don't want this to happen again. 
But no, it's none of these. They went to prayer. They went straight to prayer. And they went straight to prayer with other people as well. It says they raised their voices together in prayer to God. It's totally natural. The Heavenly Father wanted to hear their prayer. If we've trusted in Jesus, then we can know that we've got a loving Father in heaven who just, who just loves to hear us. He loves to hear from us. He loves to help us. Let's take it to the Lord in prayer, whatever it is. Well, when Peter and John had prayed, the next, next thing was that they were, as they were praying, they were remembering who was in charge. And you can see this in the way that they pray. They start off their prayer, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They start off thinking, God is the king. He's the sovereign Lord. He's, he's in charge of everything. And he's in charge of everything because he made everything. And he made us. And it makes such a massive difference when we remember in the midst of our problems, who God is. That he's the Lord, that he's in control of all things and he loves us. He's not like, as we may be saying, I'm sure that I know that are good politicians, but we're thinking about those politicians earlier. Yeah, maybe you get really good politicians. They just don't have the power to carry out what they know needs to be done. Well, God's never in that situation. He's always in charge, always knows what needs doing, always loving, always powerful, always wise. We don't always see what he's doing. We're not always sure what he's doing. He doesn't always do what we think he's going to do or we think he should do. But it's not because he's not got the power and it's not because he doesn't know what to do. But in fact, if, um, if God didn't have all this power, well, there'd be absolutely no point in going to talk to him. We'd be wasting our time. It'd be a bit like on The Apprentice. Anyone watching The Apprentice at the moment? Coming towards the end. I'm sorry if you've not seen The Apprentice, but you've probably heard about it, I'm sure. One of these shows where the contestants get whittled down from a large number to one person who wins in the end. And the thing that whittles them down is business tasks on The Apprentice. And one of the things you learn from The Apprentice is if you're going to go and try and sell something to a business or a restaurant, you've got to make sure you're speaking to the right person. And the classic scenario on The Apprentice is the contestants go in and they're trying to sell like a thousand bottles of water or whatever it is. And they go into this restaurant and they're trying to negotiate a deal and having a long discussion with someone. It turns out to be the work experience waiter. He's got no authority. They're talking to totally the wrong person. They should have made sure they were speaking to the boss. If you're a Christian and you're in trouble and you pray, you get straight through to the boss. It's good, isn't it? Um, Why don't we make more use of the hotline? I think we should. Let's be like Peter and John. Get straight on the line to God when we're in trouble to pray to the king who's in control. Well, they weren't just praying with that in mind. They were also praying. They were praying more specifically to the God who's in charge of rejection. They're praying to the God in charge of rejection. So as we're remembering that God is the sovereign Lord and what he's done as the sovereign Lord making the world, 
They also remembered what he'd said. So they quote the first part, part of Psalm 2. That's a bit in our Bibles where it's a um, little thing quoted from David, from Psalm 2, first part of Psalm 2. Just in passing there, they show us that the Christian and of course the Jewish understanding about the way the Bible works. Verse 25, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. The Bible is God, the Holy Spirit, speaking through human authors as he inspired them to write as the people that they were in the situation that they're in. And the words in Psalm 2 are all about, these are words from a thousand years before, words about people in authority ganging up on God, not a good idea, ganging up on God and on his anointed one, his chosen servants. And when it was first written, it would have meant a lot to David. David was the anointed king. He was the chosen king. The prophet Samuel had put oil on him, a sign that he'd been chosen by God to be the king of Israel. But he had enemies. And it must have meant a lot to him to remember that God was in charge of all of this. He'd been anointed and, he was, and King Saul, his predecessor, was still after him and trying to kill him. He had other enemies later on. But as the psalm goes, to, goes on to say, God laughs when people rise up against him and the people that he's put in place. Opposing God is just ridiculous and a waste of time. But these words in Psalm 2 had a, a, a fuller meaning that would come true a thousand years after David when another chosen king in Jerusalem was opposed. Yes, it was Jesus. And so they draw attention to that in their prayer. They say, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. It's happening again. It was David first. Now it's Jesus. Now, in case you think, well, they were saying, oh no, we've fallen for it again. It's that pattern. Ah, we should have seen it. It was David. It was Jesus. Oh no, we've fallen into it again. We're being opposed in Jerusalem. No, it was a pattern of rejection. What they're saying is a pattern of rejection that God was in charge of. And they say that Herod and Pontius Pilate, they did what God's power and his will, his plan, had decided beforehand should happen. So with David, with Jesus, and now with these Christians in Jerusalem, they've, no one's wrong-footed God. God has got this all under control, even when people are rejected by him. I don't know how you think about it when you think about being rejected by people for being a Christian. It might just be a fear of rejection that you have. We need to remember this as we think about what happened with Jesus. God was so in charge of what happened with Jesus that even people who planned evil for Jesus ended up doing God's plan. They intended to kill him and get, him, get rid of him off the scene. God intended it for good, that Jesus would die for the wrong things we've done so we could have eternal life and know God through him as we trust in him. 
But I wonder if you're a Christian here this morning and you think, you know, I look back at some of my efforts to introduce people to Jesus and I just don't know what went wrong. You know, I had times when I thought I thought it was a good opportunity, I thought I said the right thing, and now those people aren't speaking to me anymore. Or things just took a bit of a, a turn for the worse. And the longer you've been Christians, the more of these, your Christian life will be littered with these, these attempts that you made to share Jesus with people. And maybe even people who you think, I used to be friends with that person. I used to get on better with my sister or whoever it is. I, I used to, um, I was getting on quite well in that job. Still, until uh, I start, tried to start inviting people to a carol service at Christmas and then things all went a bit funny with them and they stopped inviting me down the pub after work and whatever it might have been. I had a friend in the sixth form, really wanted him to become a Christian and I used to go on these Christian adventure holidays in the summer and we did rock climbing and um, hill walking and canoeing and things and in, in the evening there was a really good Christian Bible talk as well and this friend came along shared a room with him, had a great time with him. And on the Thursday night after the meeting, he came in and he said, Al, I've become a Christian. It's like, oh, brilliant. Brilliant, I've been praying for you. I'm so pleased. Oh, wonderful. We got home. A couple of days later, he said, oh, Al, can I, can I meet up with you? I want to talk to you about something. And um, I think we went to the pub. And he said, Al, I've made a big mistake. I don't want to be a Christian and I don't really want to talk to you about it anymore. And, you know, it was difficult. I was gutted. But I have to say, God was in charge of that. I mean, I, don't, I wasn't too worried about myself. I was more worried about him. But God's in charge of that one. And maybe you're here this morning and you think, yeah, there's a particular thing that sticks in your mind and you think, did, did I get it wrong? What was God doing there? Why did things seem to get worse when I tried to share my faith in some way? Or maybe it's a fear thing for you. And, and you think, I, I'm just so worried about getting rejected or, or people's reactions. You know, I'm, I'm so worried about letting people know, who even know me reasonably well, that actually I'm a Christian. And I go to church, I've managed to keep it fairly quiet or at least they don't realize how important it is to me maybe you're worried maybe about some people who are particularly close to you people in your family who you think I'm just I just don't know what to do next I'm so worried that whatever I say it will go wrong and things will go wrong in the relationship I'm just so worried about getting rejected by them and and, and so far I've not really done much more I've got a bit stuck we need to remember that God, he's not just God in charge, he's the God in charge of these situations of rejection when people are trying to share Jesus with people. And I just want to encourage you, bring it to God in prayer. Bring him those times when you think, what happened? Did I get something wrong? In fact, it doesn't really matter whether you got anything wrong or not. God is still in charge. God is still working out his good plans for your life, those people around you and we're going to be praying a little bit later for um, what is the answer for us if we are particularly fearful about sharing Jesus with people but I just want to just just pause for a moment maybe we just um, 
Maybe we could just pause for a moment and pray. Maybe just uh, in a little bit of silence. Just bring to God situations where we have been shunned and rejected and just things have gone a bit funny with someone because we've tried to share our faith with them. Just bring those to God and just acknowledge that he's in charge. Maybe also for those of us who fear, feel a fear, maybe there's a particular person you, you feel a fear about sharing your faith with them, just even getting into conversation. Let's pray that God would release you from that fear and show you what to do next. Amen. So Peter and John, they're there. They're praying. They're praying to God. They're recognizing he's in charge. But they've not actually asked for anything yet. What are they going to ask for in their prayer? They pray for boldness. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Is that what we'd have prayed? They do pray about God doing something, continuing to back up and clear the way by using miraculous signs and wonders as he'd done, as he healed that man. They say, Lord, keep on doing that. But what they don't pray is, Lord, can you just take over now, please? Uh, It's not really working with us. Can you just do it? Or or can you just stop the opposition? Can you just make it a bit easier for us, please? Or can you send someone else to come and do it instead? we'll, We'll pray for them. We'll support them. We'll brief them. We'll hand over to them. But it'd be really great, Lord, if you could send some other people now to take over this witness in Jerusalem because it's uh, getting a little bit too hot. No, they prayed for boldness. And in fact, they prayed for boldness to keep on doing what they'd been doing before. They prayed that God would enable the servants to, to speak or continue to speak the word with great boldness. They say, Lord, just keep on using us, but just make up for the things that we're lacking. Do we want to pray for God to do miraculous signs and wonders today? Yes, yes, I hope so. We do, too right we do. But do you want to pray for God to give you boldness to be involved in bringing people to Jesus? Yes, I hope so. I hope so, I do. I know how difficult it is. In the autumn... We're going to be doing a course through the small groups called Becoming a Contagious Christian. It's a fantastic course. It's all about how to be involved in sharing Jesus with people, seeing people come to know him as the person that you are. 
Not about forcing you to be a different kind of person from the way God has made you and your personality, but in our own way to see our part in spreading the wonderful message that we can know God through Jesus. Becoming a contagious Christian, you'll hear more about that in September. But even with that course, and I thoroughly recommend it, that's not enough. We need that boldness from God to take those opportunities that God gives us. Well, it was a great result for the Christians. It it actually worked. They prayed and it worked. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And God answered with an immediate yes. It's one of a number of occasions in Acts where we see people filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit for a particular task. That seems to be how it, how it works in the book of Acts. God gives them his power to speak about Jesus. A few things that are pretty clear about the Holy Spirit in the Bible, they seem pretty clear to me. First of all, that God comes to live inside every person who puts their trust in Jesus, who becomes a Christian, when they become a Christian. God, the Holy Spirit, comes to live inside every Christian. It's an amazing thing. It's fantastic to have God living inside you, guiding you, working on you, helping you. It's an amazing thing. But also, the Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, that God wants us to have an increasing power to serve him and live for him, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit, for God to be at work in every part of our life. And for us to have just sort of flowing through everything that we do and say. And being filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the things we see here in Acts is it's not just a one-off. Peter and John, we know, they were there at Pentecost. They were filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And in fact, they're not even praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit here. They're praying for boldness and they get filled with the Holy Spirit again. I think you can look... Earlier on in um, chapter 4, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit when he's in front of these people who are questioning him. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and he knows what to say. And God wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit again and again and again. Not just to give us a nice feeling, not just so that we um, feel like things are going better in our life, but so we can be witnesses, so we can be bold. For Jesus, the Holy Spirit does all kinds of wonderful things for us. But that's one of the main things, to have power to be his witnesses. Well, is that just back then? Well, the job of making disciples, the disciples were commissioned to go to all nations, to make disciples of all nations and all peoples. The job's not finished yet, is it? The job's not finished. The job's not finished in Lewis. And so we need that boldness. We need that empowering to keep on with that work that started with these guys here that we're reading about and is still continuing today. Well, in a moment, as we come towards the end, there's going to be an opportunity where we can all pray that God would fill us again with his Holy Spirit. Maybe fill us for the first time. Maybe you've never had any sense of boldness from God we can pray for that for you this morning just before we do I want to tell you about one of the first times I had that experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit 
in this kind of way. Trust God that it's been happening since then as well. This is a story from my student days when I was in the Christian Union. And some guy, some bright spark, had this idea. This guy who's in charge of evangelism said, we're going we're to do this questionnaire. We're going to go into the student union when people are having their lunch and drinking. And we're going to go around the student union with uh, this questionnaire and just get into conversation with people about what they believe about different things, the way they look at the world. And we pray that somehow there'll be an opportunity to talk to them about what we believe and what Jesus offers. I was terrified. And, you know, the time came round, maybe after a couple of lectures. Oh, no, it's one o'clock. It's coming, you know, my stomach's probably feeling really heavy. I think, oh, no. We have to get together with these guys. And we prayed before we went round the student union. Suppose we prayed about it and the room did not shake. And I didn't feel any different, but we were doing it then, so I had to go. But actually, it was as we went into the student union, as I started to talk to people, then I felt God was there. God was filling me with his spirit and helping me to know what to say. I had some really good conversations. And although I found it hard, I was always quite a big fan of doing these kind of things because it was a great chance to see God at work and to give me words to say, to open up opportunities that just wouldn't happen normally. So I just want to encourage you with that little story. It's not always going to look like it did in the book of Acts. Being filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit for boldness doesn't always look the same. But in our own way, we want God to fill us with all that we need to be witnesses for him. Shall we stand together, if you don't mind? Just going to pray in a moment. This might always be worth saying, if you're here this morning and you're, you're not a Christian, this would be a great time to become a Christian, receive that gift of the Holy Spirit as you put your trust in Jesus. You don't have to use special words. There's no set words to become a Christian. You just need to say to God, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. The times I've rejected you. Thank you that Jesus died on the cross for me. That he was rejected so I could be accepted by you and say, Jesus, come and be in charge of my life. I want you to get into the driving seat of my life, to take the wheel, and I want to live life your way. As we're praying in the, in the quiet, you can pray those words. And if you, if you have prayed that, do come and talk to me. I'd love to talk to you some more about that. That'd be fantastic. But for, for Christians here this morning, if you want to be filled or filled again with the Holy Spirit, especially to have that boldness, that freedom from fear, to be able to be a witness, to take the opportunities to say the right things, that people would come to know Jesus through you, then what, if you'd like to do that, why don't, you, um, why don't you hold out your hands? Even if you're not really accustomed to doing that normally, why don't you hold out your hands just as a symbol that you want to receive from God, that you're open to him? Just have a moment of quiet and I'll pray in a second. Lord, we pray that you might fill us or fill us again with your Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, we want to be just, just a shadow of those guys in the book of Acts. We want to be bold for you. We want to take the opportunities that you give us, perhaps opportunities that no one else will get in our workplace, in our family, on our streets, 
at the school gate, wherever they are, Lord, give us that boldness. Lord, fill us again with your Holy Spirit. Just be praying to God in the silence. Just make that prayer your prayer. Call out to him that he would fill you with with his Spirit. We're going to sing together, sing a song to help us just go on responding to God in this way. Thank you.